you get to a place in your shared services journey that the importance of end-to-end -end process discipline is absolutely critical. And so when you started to centralize things, that's when you, again, started to see very different ways you might be doing a, a similar process. And not that everything can be a one size fits all, but we have to get further along in our discipline on end-to-end -end process, thinking, planning, owning upstream, downstreams. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello, and welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. I'm your host, Penny Weller, Senior Global Business Services Advisor. Today, we're talking with Cargill's Leader of Global Business Services, or Cargill Business Services, CBS, Kim Scanson, about the dramatic digital transformation she's led across their global DBS organization. Cargill has $165 billion in annual revenue and is the largest privately held company in America. Founded in 1865, it's an agricultural services company that trades, purchases, and distributes grains and other agricultural commodities. Kim, it's great to have you with us today on our podcast. Thanks, Penny. It's great to be here. Well, our audience is excited to learn more about the extent of your GBS service catalog, your journey to today, and where you see CBS or Cargo Business Services in the future. So let's get started. Besides being such a huge organization, I understand the breadth and depth of your GBS are also extensive and no small undertaking. So could you share with us some context around the breadth and depth of the GBS organization at Cargill? Yeah, for sure. So we've been on a journey for the past around eight years or so in terms of moving into a model like this. And so prior to that, I would say shared services wasn't a word uh, on our inner vocabulary that we used often, but really in the spirit of trying to work as one Cargill and centralizing a lot of the back-end commoditized type work, we started to move work into our shared services model. So today we have seven major hubs around the world where we would have a CBS in our, our, our language center that services some specific to in-country, some specific regionally, and some specific globally where work is done. These are Cargill badged employees. For the most part, our shared services operation is, is a captive model, if you will. And we started with some more of the traditional areas that I think a lot of companies embark on when they look at this type of movement. And that was within our IT organization, our HR function, as well as finance. And so when we started to move that work in, then over time, you optimize how that work gets done. And then you start to look at what other opportunities are out there. So today, we span across our transportation distribution businesses, our procurement businesses. I mentioned HR, IT, finance. And then there's other things we're doing. Analytics, we do some creative studio content work. We do a lot of work in the legal space. And so the journey continues to evolve as our business needs obviously change over time too. But that's a little bit about where we are today. Would you be willing to share like the number of headcount that you have just to show how broad the organization is? Yeah, sure. So we have grown over time. And so today there's around 9,000 people that sit in our locations today that are providing those services. Again, for us, a success criteria isn't number of heads. We don't measure that as success, but it just gives you a little bit of the, the context. Our Bangalore office in India, for example, is our largest Cargill office in the world, larger than our headquarter by number of people. Our office in Europe, in Bulgaria services, 26, 27 different languages is covering all of EMEA. 
So these are our substantial offices that are doing really critical work for us. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Many of our members and companies around the globe, they're challenged to get beyond a single function. Can you share any insights as to how you were able to bring together multiple functions in your GBS organization? Yeah, I think really our transition approach was lift and land work as was. And so we knew if we were starting to try to optimize before we moved work in that it would take longer. So I think there was a little bit of, it helped having a little bit of that mandate to move quick and to hit numbers in terms of some of the the value case around this, that people started to tip in and lean in. But again, because we lifted and landed the work the way it was, there's always challenges that come with that, right? So when they're, I always say a big spotlight gets shown on maybe the way you were working that you maybe didn't even realize was the way you're working. So a lot of different ways to process invoices, for example, a lot of different payment terms that until you really started to centralize and really take a, a hard look at things, you didn't understand that. But but nonetheless, you have to listen to your to your partners and peers across your organization, what works or not. And be very disciplined of kind of the before and after, because even when you work, move work in, you have to be, I think there's an emotional element to this because there's people involved and there's a lot of moving parts and work, work for our, in our case was moving to different parts of the world. And I think if you can take the emotion out of the conversation, really focus on the fact and be really driven in kind of the data and what's working and what's not and listening, that's what opens the door to continue to think about what else can you do? What's the art of the possible in a model like this? Because that to me is what's the value is. Shared service is really an operating model and companies do it very differently based on what their needs are. And over time that those needs change and evolve too. But I think that was our, we were humble and and transparent about how things were working and it allowed us to open the conversation to talk about what else. I think it's fascinating and the success that you've had in going across multiple functions is absolutely inspiring. As you think over these past several years, are there some key kind of milestones, some touch points, let's say, where certain things happen that really kind of shined a light on the success and the journey itself? It's hard to pick one or two. I think annually, we're always looking at how have we performed? How are the operations running? Are we hitting our KPIs and our SLAs in in terms of really the service offering? And then, then you have to have a level of customer survey, like how what's the feedback really happening? And, and how are people adjusting? And that happens with the partners that you're supporting across the organization, but also within the team, right? So I think there are some pretty significant things for us is really focusing on the engagement of the team. For us, 80% over the first five years of us embarking on shared services were new to the company. And so they didn't have a lot of sense of what Cargill was. We're a privately held company. They had to learn it and the inner workings of how we work in a very complex industry across many different areas, I think there was an element of learning that people had. So we really had to focus on, I think, engagement of the team as as kind of a milestone. And as we were able to track that and and that continued to be strong or go up, those were good indicators, as well as feedback and and, and our savings. So we're tied to a business case that was driving financial savings and adding new value. And those were also, I would say, points that we can step back. We could really look where we tracking against what we said we were going to do. And then again, like the world around you changes. And so I think as new partners came in, I had four CFOs in the time that we that I've been a part of, of this launch and, and have different ideas of what we want to do and what works. And so it's, again, continuing to circle back on what's working, what's not, where do we want to adjust, what else can we do? I think through any times that those types of activities were happening were pause moments for us too, that we validated where we were going. 
Well, I find it fascinating that you've gone through four different CFOs and been able to keep the strategy focused as it is, because sometimes we see that change. So that's, I think, inspiring also from that vantage point. What's on your plate for 2023, maybe looking into 2024? Are there some key objectives right now, some hot spots for you? Definitely. I think you get to a place in your shared services journey that the importance of end-to-end process discipline is absolutely critical. And in the early days for us, again, we were a very federated operating model in terms of how we worked. And so when you started to centralize things, that's when you, again, started to see very different ways you might be doing a, a similar process. And not that everything can be a one size fits all, but we have to get further along in our discipline on end-to-end process, thinking, planning, owning upstream, downstream. So there's a big push internally right now for us to be looking at how to better our muscle when it comes to end-to-end process discipline, roles that we need to have, governing checkpoints we need to have, tying that to our major ERP implementations, because all of that allows us then, I think, to really optimize how shared services is meant to run in more of a streamlined, more common way than not. And I think those are are things that you're going to see from us or a lot of focus from us in the next year, uh, two years. I mean, it's a long journey. It doesn't happen overnight, but definitely something we're putting a lot of energy to right now. Well, and I know service management is something near and dear to the organization. I've talked with several people within the CBS, and that's the discipline from governance perspective. And then having dedicated resources are some things that I've seen I would attribute to your success. You know, I think it's really important that you have that those eyes and ears paying attention across the globe of how things are working. And again, tying it back to goals around what are we trying to achieve? How do we measure that? And being disciplined around that. I think they're going to be very instrumental in us taking it to the next stage when it comes to our process journey. You mentioned early on that you are primarily captive. So a little bit of outsourcing or where it makes sense. Strategically, it sounds like maybe that's been kind of inbred in the whole structure. Uh, has there been a time when you've looked otherwise and, and maybe come back to the same business case? Or is it just culturally something that the organization believes and strives to retain? Yeah, great question. We're something we think about often and we look at regularly. It's just our whole location footprint. Where we're doing the work, is it still the right place to do the work? Are we meeting the needs from a language perspective as the business evolves? Whatever those factors are, we relook at that about every 18 months. I would say in addition to, yes, who should be doing the work? Are there are there reasons that, and there's not a right or wrong, so I would never tell one company that it has to be one way or the other. For us, given our complexity, given where we do work in so many different countries, the language requirements, there was just a need and I think a belief that it made more sense for us to be running those ourselves. And I think we pulse checked that halfway through the first five-year journey and that continued to be the, the best path for us. And so I think it's Again, it, it kind of depends. And there's pockets where, you know, we might deviate from that, but that has been that has been something again. It's not it's not something we decided eight, nine years ago and just have settled on that. No, we think and talk about that regularly and uh, we'll always revisit the landscape. The good news and badly, right? Then it never changes, right? There's the landscape always is evolving and we have to be ready and nimble to be able to evolve with it. So I would say for us, it's something we pulse check against. For now, this has made a lot of sense for us. One of the questions I'd love to ask is, as you probably engage with other companies and other GBS leaders, are there certain companies that you admire and maybe that you're striving to get to certain levels on? Because I know as much as you have accomplished, I think we're always looking 
that's part of the mindset and part of what we do in GBS is always looking to do better. Any comments on that, Kim? Yeah, I, I do talk to a lot of my peers often and, and do a lot of just reading just to understand what's happening because it's a continuing, evolving space, I would say. I'm always intrigued when there's companies that are very disciplined in their process space. As I mentioned, it's an area for us we want to get better at, given our scale and our size, just the complexities of how we've grown over our over 150-year history. We have a lot of different ways we do similar things. And I'm always in awe of companies who figured out how to make that more streamlined. So that would be something I'm I'm always envious in a good way of. I would say also just ERP enablement. So companies who are farther on their ERP journey or maturity in, in terms of how they've run their ERPs, I think sometimes, again, that leads to simple or more streamlined process, if you will. So I think that is something I, I always am intrigued and talk a lot about with peers who are farther along in some of that. And then just cultural awareness, I think the continued value play with shared services, it's not a one time you do it, check the box and it's done, but there's an ongoing value play. And so I see companies sometimes who are masterful at that. You know, I talk a lot about how they maintain that hunger for doing more and, and how they do that. So those are, I'd say, are probably three areas that when I talk to other companies, I'm always intrigued and and curious as to how that, that they continue to, to maintain their focus on those elements. Yeah, it's exciting to me because GBS is special. And if you get it, you get it. And those who are in it love it. We just know it can always be better. But it's the word service to me always comes out. You can't do everything for everybody. But that operative word to me has always been the service side. So Kim, any other final comments you'd like to share? If you're new on the journey, be curious. It's an operating model. It's a way of working. It's it's not a end game, right? It's a way to help drive value in the organization. And, and there's a reason why I think we'd say, what, 60% of Fortune 500 companies work in a model like this. And there's a reason why. It's not a new phenomenon. It's been around for decades. And what works for one company is maybe different for another. And that's okay. And it's not industry specific. But I would say, lean in. Stay true to the whys around it because it's not always easy, right? The, the change management elements of when you start to move work and want to work differently, those are those are not easy tasks. I don't care how big or small a company you work in, but there is true value here. And so stay curious, be optimistic, and listen openly to your, your peers across the organization and good things will happen. Well, these have been great insights, Kim. I thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you, Penny. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcasts.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com.